We're continuing with our, our look into the often quoted framework, if you will, or the topical index known as the Lord's Prayer. I drew on the board, I don't know if it's still here. It is. I improved my little graph that looks like an EKG. <laughs> if we have a doctor here. Oh, that guy's got Yeah, I, I thought, well, if, if this is your EJ, EKG, you might want to see your cardiologist. But what, what, it, what it depicts, and this is just a brief review, is that this, this framework that we quote all the time, and I want to repeat what I said the first Sunday, just because we're saying it doesn't necessarily mean we're praying it. Because prayer is hard. And all of us have noticed, if you ever try to really get down and pray about something, you get distracted. But we say this thing regularly, and as I was putting this together, I mean, these, these words were coming in my head, and even though normal people don't use the word perfunctory, for some reason that just word kept coming up, perfunctory. And I, I wasn't even sure what it meant, but I, I asked Google, and, and she knows. I don't know why it is a woman. You ask a question, the woman's always the one that has the answer. Google answers back and says, well, perfunctory is, you know, just when you say something you're really not thinking about, it, it's kind of a routine type thing. So what we do is taking these main topics, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and we have our personal needs, our relational needs, our spiritual needs, and then back up to the uh, conclusion, for thine is the kingdom of power. It's like we're just hop, hop, scot, hop, hop, skipping and jumping over these high points without taking any time to meditate on our Father in heaven, coming up without meditating on hallowed be thy name. And I really think that's a very important one. And then thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Take some time down here and meditate on them because, as I said, if we're flying over the Rocky Mountains, you can't say, yeah, I pretty much got that. You know, I'm looking down out of the window. Yeah, there's, there's Mount Evans, there's Pikes Peak. But when you drive through them, you really get a whole lot more. And, and if you hike through them, that's when you, you even get more. So, before we get any further on this Lord's Prayer, we should pray. Uh, and praying is always good. Father, please prepare our hearts and help us, Lord, to take this seriously, Lord, how you gave us this eternal pattern for our praying and help us, Lord, not to just say it in a, in a hapless, uh, routine fashion without really thinking about what we're saying and meditating on these points. Lord, I pray that you'd use this all for your glory. Draw us closer to you, Lord. Help us to concentrate more on who you are and what you do for us. And Lord, let us give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if any of you were not here on the first Sunday, that was the only time I had a handout, and it's uh, just something about the names of God. So if you weren't here and you want one, let me know. We've got a couple of them left here. It's, it's because when you're meditating on the Lord's Prayer or this framework, you need to spend some time. Rather than just saying, hallowed be thy name, what does that mean? You know, we... You know, how many years have we been saying that, but we don't stop and, and really let it sink in? What am I saying? Why am I saying, hallowed be thy name? 
Well, if you know scripture, we know how serious it is to take the Lord's name in vain. And uh, I want to repeat what our niece said. Uh, I, I, I brought this out last week. Our uh, niece was a, in a Christian school, and her and her little seven, eight-year-old friends were discussing, uh, what, is, what does that mean, to take the Lord's name in vain? And just right off the top of this little girl's head, she said, well, that's when you mention his name, but you really don't plan on talking to him. And boy, we hear that all the time. You know, the name of Jesus is drugged through the mud. You know, we would never let people say things about our mother the way we listen to people disrespectfully take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and just mention it in vain and just in such a, a disrespectful way. So that second thing about hallowing the Lord's name and, you know, just meditating on, on how he's revealed himself. You know, Yahweh Tzidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Why is that so important? Well, we don't have any righteousness. He gives it to us. It's imputed to us by faith. You know, the Lord, M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Yahweh Shalom, you know, we know what that is. The Lord our peace. Yahweh Shama, that's an interesting one. The Lord who is there. Well, I didn't mean to rehash this over because we really need to get into this next one that we're going to spend most of our time on today. The, uh, on the forgiveness of debts. Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Anybody here like to read... Uh, uh, a, a section of scripture, you have a good voice. If you turn to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse number 21, this is a, a well-known parable that Jesus tells, but we really need to hear it. Ron, would you uh, take care of this? Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse number 21, all the way up to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who has sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the one is heaven and good fake. The one is settled accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me. He demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 
Well, we should take the Lord's word seriously, shouldn't we? Forgiveness is a big thing. We run through this prayer and just say it, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it's the only line in this framework that has a condition with it. It's like fine print that's not fine. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a conditional thing. Lord, we, we all want God's forgiveness, right? <laughs> You know, we're like selfish kids. We're like spoiled, selfish kids. We want the Lord to give us everything, but when we're supposed to be somehow likewise and be forgiving with other people, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's because we're like kids. We're like uh, spoiled, entitled kids, and we, uh, we just love this uh, forgiveness that we get from our Father, but when it comes our time to extend it to others, it's not so easy. Now, I think that uh, we should make a clarification here that uh, this doesn't mean forgiveness, uh, wholesale forgiveness for every offense that's done to us because, I mean, obviously, if, if you're hit by a drunk driver or a garbage truck, or something, I mean, you know, that's why we have lawyers. I mean, if, if, if your child or grandchild is abused in a school by some, I can't even believe the stuff that we're hearing on the news now, just like you can't hear it. And again, our world is really getting mad. What are we gonna do to keep from going nuts? You're gonna pray this prayer. You're gonna meditate on our Father in heaven and hallowing his name and the coming of his kingdom and the accomplishment of his will. I'm telling you, this has a therapeutic benefit that if you'll meditate on it, in fact, this is an eternal prayer that the Lord gives us for all ages, for all cultures, for anybody, anywhere, anytime. Who else could give a prayer so sufficient for every time and every Only the Lord Jesus. That's why they said, never man spake like this man. Boy, they got that right. He was just able to hit the nail on the head every time he said something and oceans of truth distilled into these little droplets of uh, truth. So uh, there are times when we need lawyers, but where this type of forgiveness, and because Jesus is addressing his followers here, we have to put the, uh, the emphasis on really the forgiveness that we show to church people. You know why church offenses are so hurtful? It's because in church, we let our guard down and we expect people to treat us right. And when something happens, somebody says something, somebody offends us somehow. And remember, Jesus, you know, if, if we're familiar with the rest of the gospel, which you ought to be, you know, you ought to be reading the gospels over and over again. So these words are constantly in our heads and in our hearts. You know, we, you know it's as if the Lord could speak to us anytime out of our memory if his words are in there. But you got to put them in there first. You know, you can't get hypnotized and say, you know, Lord, let me remember these. No, it requires some effort on our part. And as you give it the effort, when you need his wisdom, it'll come to you. So when you're offended, boom, the verse pops up. Jesus said, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. He says, woe unto that man from who they come. But he's getting us ready for the fact that you're going to be offended sometime. And, uh, and, and when you are offended, especially in church, we're going to have to let it slide, or we should let it slide. And you can do this. A lot of times we're offended because of what we think 
somebody said. We think we know what they meant. And well, why do we have to be so harsh and judgmental? And say, I know what they meant. I know that they were trying to Well, how do we really know that? Why don't we cut them some slack? Why don't we, you know, that's what love does, you know. Love, 1 Corinthians 13, we know what that says, suffers long, believes all things, doesn't jump to conclusions. So we can uh, cut them some slack. Well, what if they really did meet it? Well, don't worry, the Lord will take care of that. See, this is where our living by faith comes in. No, I need to take care of it now. Do you really? Do you want him to take care of you right now? <laughs> Probably. That wouldn't be good. So I, I had this uh, parable in mind because it is such a, a uh, stunning example of what the Lord does for us and, and how we're supposed to extend that to others. Uh, there have been, and I'm not going to get into the math of everything, but uh, the debt that this guy was forgiven, and, I, and I'm referring to this that, that Dr. Hamner just read, uh, the debt was probably somewhere around $15 million. That is an astronomical debt that the guy could never pay back. And here he was graciously forgiven. And remember, this is not given for some class in economics that the Lord is trying to teach us. He's trying to teach us something about forgiveness and our forgiveness to others and how it's relative to what the Lord's done for us. So here this guy's graciously forgiven, like $15 million, and he turns around and goes and finds somebody who knows him, owes him a very small amount, which by some amounts, you know, according to the calculations of that ancient currency, could have been somewhere between 15 and 20 bucks. And he grabs him by the throat and he says, pay up. And of course, the big guy found out about it and said, how dare you? I mean, you know, you were just cut this slack and now you're grabbing this guy by the throat and... Uh, well, we know that it's not a, a, a pleasing thing to the Lord. And what's, what's dramatic about this, if you want just a way to remember this, the forgiveness that we offer to others in compared to the forgiveness that God gives to us, if you want to use a number just to uh, quantify it, it would be something like a million to one. I have to forgive Joe. If Joe says something, he forgives me. All right, Joe, I'm just going to let you slide. That's nothing. What I've done to God is a million times worse than that. And we don't usually think about that. We have no idea of the offense that we did against the Lord God Almighty. And we take it for granted because we're spoiled, we're like kids, and we're always ready to receive, receive, but when we have to extend it to others, it usually doesn't happen. So forgiveness is so difficult because we're so depraved. Dr. Skate so eloquently brought out, we're totally depraved. And, and, and even as regenerated children of God, this old nature is always trying to come back. And one of the ways it comes back is with this tendency to be unforgiving. We just like this, uh, we like holding grudges. I don't know why that is, but it's, a, it's a, something that feeds the carnal cookie monster inside. <laughs> I like to hold a grudge. They did this to me, and uh, they don't get away with that. <laughs> Have you ever heard people say, you don't want to make me mad. You don't want to see me when I get mad. <laughs> it's, it's what they're really doing. They're, they're warning you that I, at times, will go temporarily insane, and, and I cannot be responsible for my own actions. You know, that's what they're saying. You, know, they're not saying you, know, but you don't want to make me mad. Oh, you don't want to see what happens when people make me mad. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to make you mad. But some people are like that, and, and they brag about it. So uh, it's just because we have our feelings, we want to guard our feelings, and uh, we like to hold grudges. 
And uh, somebody once called a, 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 a grudge a luxury that a Christian cannot afford to, to keep. Why does it feel so good? You know, we think, well, I'm going to hang on to this. I'm not going to let this go. Well, if you're going to pray this prayer, and if you're going to mean it, and if you want God to forgive you this vertically, then your horizontal pattern of forgiveness has to be what God wants it to be. Now, I read a lot of the background of this, and, uh, you know, we would all be in trouble if, if we uh, had to go back to our whole record, our B.C. record before we were Christians and all the things we did back then. You know, there's a lot of people that we, that we didn't forgive and uh, didn't want to. And, uh, you know, but now, because we're Christians, we're in the kingdom of God, we're supposed to think different now. I mean, the Lord commands us, demands that we repent to get into the kingdom. And repenting means changing your mind and acting differently. So now I have to act differently when I'm offended. And it's, it's still difficult to do. Uh, because we like to hang on to grudges, but uh, it's something that we have to get over. Now, there's a little thing that was put together. I, I'm not sure exactly wh where it came from, but it's kind of a, a, a gradation of, of what we do with offenses when they come at us. We don't like it. So what do we do? Well, the first thing we do is we curse it. Now, that doesn't mean that a bad word's going to come out, although that could happen too. But uh, we curse it. We get highly offended. How dare they? You know, let's just say uh, Jay says something that hurts my feelings. And, uh, you know, when we get our feelings hurt, there's an interesting thing about the way that we're wired psychologically. I remember this from some study of, uh, in, in the behavioral sciences, that in our emotional makeup, sorrow and anger are but a hair's breadth apart from each other. In other words, we go from extreme sorrow, abject pain and sorrow, to anger really, really fast. And I think we all know why this is, because it hurts to be in sorrow, but when we're mad, we can justify ourselves and, you know, we can handle anger. You know, that person hurt my feelings. You, know, you want to go home and you want to lick your wounds? Oh, man, I feel so bad. No, I'm mad about it. And, and it happens very, very quickly because we don't want to feel sorrow and pain. We'd rather be justified in ourselves and say, I have a reason to be mad. So uh, that's why the first thing we do is we curse it. How dare they? That person can't do that. Uh, that person can't do that to me. Well, that's not all we do. After we curse it, we go home and we nurse it. <laughs> we don't just let it go. <laughs> I want to lick my wounds. I want to think about it. Yeah, that really was bad. And, and while we're nursing the pain, it's not going away. It's almost as if we're feeding it and we're coddling it. And as we coddle this offensive thing, it just seems to grow and it gets worse. So not only do we curse it and then we nurse it, then we go back to church and we find our friends and we rehearse it. You wouldn't believe what they did to me. Let me tell you what happened. And we go over it again. We rehearse it over and over again. And the amazing thing is as we're rehearsing it, all of a sudden, we make ourselves look like the real victim and the other person look like a real jerk. Why does it always look like that? No one has ever said, you know, this guy really hurt my feelings, but actually I kind of deserved it. I was the original jerk. No, we usually don't say that. Usually we find ways that in some, in, 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 in some way or, or form or fashion, it kind of makes us look good and we're justified as we're rehearsing this thing over and over again. 
And this continues until we get sick of hearing it. And hopefully we do get sick of hearing it. We get sick of rehearsing it and, you know, telling others about it. And then we finally get to the place where we say, Lord, I'm just going to turn this over to you and I'm going to disperse it. I'm just going to give it to you. I'm just going to let it go. And then God comes in his forgiveness and that sweet oil of the Holy Spirit just comes. And, you know, the, throughout Scripture, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is signified by oil. And we all know what oil does. It reduces friction. It makes things move. <laughs> good, good for frying chicken, too. But, you know, it's, it's, it's real good just to have that lubrication that just lubricates the, the interaction between church people. And we're talking about church people because this is where it's really important. And by the way, this is a little sidebar here. If you're ever having a dispute or a problem with church people, don't ever discuss it in front of people outside the church. That's the worst thing you could do, because all that does, that just gives them, and they say, them Christians, they're no different than anybody else, and we ought to be. And that's why we're supposed to be uh, forgiving, to get this forgiveness from our Father, and then just to let it go and say, forgive us our debts, Lord, as we forgive those who trespass against us, or those who offend us. So, we curse it, we nurse it, we rehearse it, then we finally disperse it. And then what does God do? He reverses it. <laughs> he takes that thing that was going to be chiseled onto our tombstone and turns it into a stepping stone to glory. And it's just a great thing. Something that we could have tripped over and stumbled over and been a scar. And you know, the people will remember. And folks, we are on display to the world. They're looking at us. You know, the only Bible, you've heard this before, the only Bible that some people will ever read is the Gospel according to Hamner. <laughs> what are they going to read? <laughs> That's all they know. You're a Christian, you go to Presbyterian Church, <laughs> I'm going to watch you and I'm going to see what you got. And the same goes for all of us here. You know, that is, if people know that you go to church and you're a Christian. And if they don't know... <laughs> That's another sermon. <laughs> Why don't they know? <laughs> don't you want to tell them? <laughs> you're ashamed. You're not ashamed of him, are you? So as the Lord gloriously reverses this, we feel this. And you know, holding a grudge, as good as it may feel on the carnal side of our nature, there's something magnanimous and glorious and very Christ-like about forgiving. You know, we've all read the gospel so many times, especially, you know, if you've seen that Mel Gibson movie, man, that'd get to me. You know, I had to keep telling myself that actor's being whipped. I, said, I, I, I was crying. I said, that's not my Jesus. That's an actor. But what Jesus went through for our sin was worse than what we saw depicted in that graphic, horrible thing. I was just reading some interesting things that happened during that movie. You know, to the guy, Caviezel, who, prayed, who, who played Jesus. I mean, he was struck by lightning. All kinds of weird things. Twice he was struck. Just a bunch of weird, uh, bizarre things. And, you know... I think that the Lord is pleased when we remember what he did for us. And as we remember what he did for us, that should make us all the more willing to just let stuff go. Let it slide. You need a Bible verse? Some of us need Bible verses. How about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32? And I quote the Apostle Paul, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What are you going to do with that? I mean, you know, we read this throughout the Gospels and the Epistles all the time. You know, a person really has to work at hanging on to a grudge and being unforgiving, and we're doing it to our own detriment. You know, we think 
that I'm, I'm somehow justifying myself, but we need to remember, you're not hurting that other person. You're not hurting that other person at all just by hanging on to that grudge. It's only eating you. That's why someone has described this bitter unforgiveness as the acid that only eats the container it's stored in. And we think, I'm going to spread this around. Nobody wants your acid being splashed on them anyway. But we, we hold it in, we internalize it, and it, uh, it doesn't do us any good at all. So, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Uh, Colossians 3 and 13 virtually says the same thing. You know, forgive as Christ forgave you, so must you also do. And again, I want to make this distinction. This is much more critical and crucial amongst church people than it is amongst, like I said, some horrible offense. I, I, I mentioned briefly if your child was abused by some freak in a public school system and then the school board covered it up. And I mean, you know, this is right from the news. You know, you know I mean, this stuff is going on. I mean, I'm glad that we have lawyers to handle that. You say, well, don't you have to forgive them? Yeah, I will, <laughs> after he's brought to justice as far as the system goes. But, you know, as far as the little nitpicking things, you know, these insufficient things that, that, that get our goat, that uh, get us upset, man, somebody's going to have to be Christ-like enough just to let it slide. And it might as well be you or me or both of us. And uh, it'll work, it'll make things better, it'll make things operate smoother, and uh, we'll all be better for it, and it will make us better examples of what we ought to be. Now, over these last couple of lessons, we haven't had much time for any questions. I don't know if anybody had any feedback or anything that you wanted to uh, uh, mention or bring up. Yes, sir? I find it fascinating the, the different words that are used here Debt, sin, trespasses. Uh -huh. I, but I, I like the, the concept of debt because sin and trans, uh, trespasses really imply an intentional act that's affronting. Yes. But debt implies much more than that. Uh -huh. As Paul says, the only debt we're to owe is love. Yes. And if you put that into this context, if someone doesn't love you, that's a debt that they owe you, right. you still are called to forgive them for being right. non-loving. Right. Uh, there's a debt that, that accrues from people mm -hmm. doing things that are for you, but you don't acknowledge. Right. Now, that's not a, an affronting intentional trespass. Right. There's still something that we need to forgive and seek forgiveness right. for. So I think the death word really is much more encompassing right. of everything in our life that we receive, everything in our life that we should be doing for others, mm -hmm. and everything in our life in relationship to God and what He has done for us, rather than just trespassing. Right. That really implies an yeah. intentional act that right. is very well said. And also, the fact that we have different translations, one says trespasses, another one says that, that, that pretty much covers more ground. You know, people say, well, why can't you just have one translation? Well, <laughs> why didn't God just make one flower? <laughs> why did God make more than one types of grass? I mean, you know, look at the vegetable kingdom, look at the diversity in the animal kingdom. <laughs> people have said, how come there has to be so many denominations? Why does somebody say, God is a God of diversity? 
I like this one that I'm a part of, but there's other people, a lot of people. In fact, if you take the proportional amount, there's more people that go to other different types of churches, and we have to get along with everybody. And God is diverse. We can learn things from other people. And if you don't learn it, and somebody gets your goat and <laughs> gets in your cross, let it go. Slide. Let, it. let the Lord take care of it. This is what we really need to be doing. Cast your cares on him, for he careth for you. And uh, not to hang on to these things will uh, only do us good. I gotta tell you a quick testimony. Years ago, without getting into a lot of details, but some of you will be able to identify with this, we, we were dealing with a, with a contractor who uh, didn't do everything like he should have done. <laughs> very, very common thing. You know, you, you hire a contractor to do something, oh, they could be some smooth, <laughs> personable, smooth operators when they're getting the job, but you know, once they're on the job and things that work. Anyway, uh, things didn't work out and man, it just got to me. And, and I could tell it was eating me up on the inside. I felt like I was done wrong. I felt like I didn't get my money's worth. And you know, <laughs> you don't get your money's worth. Whoa, that's getting up close and personal where <laughs> something has to be done. About a year later, praying about this and thinking about this and mulling it over, I realized what we're talking about here now, I wasn't hurting that person, but me carrying his baggage, allowing that grudge to live in my head rent-free all the time was getting to me, and it was eating me up, and I prayed through. <laughs> An old phrase just means, I just got a hold of God. I said, Lord, help me to get over this, and I did. I prayed through, and I forgave him. And I even went to him. I didn't tell him how much he's been living in my head rent-free. You know, but I went to him and I just wanted to say, you know, I know that we had, you know, we, we got crossways. And I said, man, I, said, I just want you to forgive me. And I got to tell you how glorious that felt when I did what the Lord wanted me to do. And, and, and even this was something outside of a church circle, but he did belong to a church very close to somewhat like the church that I belong to. You know, I, I guess you could even say we were part of the same fellowship. So that was all the more reason for one of us to be more forgiving. And boy, once I did that, he was just so gracious. And it, it just worked the way that things ought to work, especially amongst Christians. So does anybody else have any other input? Maybe some forgiveness story that you'd be too embarrassed to bring out here in public now? <laughs> Yes. Of course it is. Yes. Absolutely. They don't deserve that. Oh, yes, it does. Amen. You know, you, you reminded me, uh, some of us may be familiar, a couple of years ago, the owner of Los Barrios, the Mexican restaurant here in town, the mother of that restaurant chain was brutally murdered. And... Uh, a kid broke into the house. I think the kid lived, lived next door. And anyway, my mother used to love the Los Barrios, and, and she got to know Louis, one of the sons who, who runs the place. And uh, I was talking to him one time a couple of years, and, and what he did publicly on TV, he said, I'm going to forgive that guy. 
And, uh, you know, I was very close to my mother, and I know he was close to his mother. And, you know, even as grown men, we could still be a mama's boy. I was a mama's boy, and I'm proud of it, and I don't care what anybody thinks. So this guy, I knew that Louis uh, Barrios also was very close to his mother, and I asked him one time, he came by and he'd be visiting around the table. I said, Louis, how did you do that? And he said, I didn't do it for him, I did it for me. He said, I just couldn't, he said, it was eating me up, and he said, once I let it go, and I turned it over to the Lord, he said, I couldn't believe how much it helped me on the inside. So we will, we will never be more Christ-like and more like the Lord than when we're just letting stuff slide and letting it go and not hanging on to it. And if, if we don't do that, then uh, what's going to happen? It's, it's going to eat us up. And uh, very often it's the other person that might have had the problem. And what we do, there's this weird uh, transaction that happens that you know, I, I said before how we, we let this thing live in our head rent-free, but uh, we let their problem become our problem. And it, it wasn't our problem in the first place. It was their problem. They were the ones who did something wrong, but we allowed it to eat us up, and therefore their problem became our problem. Why do we want to do that? I mean, don't we have enough problems of our own where we really don't need to be borrowing and, and, and taking something from someone else? I'm just going to add this to my stack of stuff that's, you know, that's getting to me. We should just let this, let this go. And uh, the sooner we do it, the better. And we do it for Christ's sake. And I say that in the most reverent fashion because I know that people, you know, that's a very popular way that people take the Lord's name in vain. But here in this sanctified congregation that we have now, we do this truly for the sake of the Lord and his kingdom, and as proof that we are part of that kingdom right now. The kingdom, by the way, that we're praying all the time, come, kingdom of God. And that's the way it's laid out in the Greek. That verb is there first. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. You know, so we're, we're not commanding it. We're just assertively saying, yes, Lord, I want it to come. Where's it going to happen? Start with me. Or start with Rick, better. <laughs> well, no, why can't it start with me? would love to say, I wish it would start with someone else. But if you know about it, and if the Holy Spirit is churning in your soul, chances are he wants it to start inside of you. And what could be better than to be a showcase for something that the Lord of glory is doing inside these temporary clay containers that he allows us to walk around in for just a little while longer. Rick, you got a comment. I want to make sure, I want to repeat what you say so what you say is on this tape. Trespasses. Yes, it does. Sin does cover debt and trespasses. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Yes. When it is done in a corporate setting, like a church, that's why it's our Father who art in heaven. You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those you know, who trespass. I'm, now I'm mixing it up. But yeah, it's, it, it is something that works both ways. And uh, for sure, what, what we extend to others is nothing compared to what the Lord has done for us. Like a million to one. Uh, next week will be the last in this brief study, and we're going to uh, talk uh, uh, something a little bit more up close and personal about uh, being led into temptation. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of anxious to get into this because m maybe you've heard just this past week that the, the Pope is, uh, is uh, wanting to reword the Lord's Prayer because uh, he doesn't like the way... Uh, it, it sounds like God's the one leading us into uh, temptation. And anyway, I'll mention something about that next week. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to straighten the Pope out. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's an easy thing. <laughs> I understand that. Right. They don't call us Protestants for nothing. We're protesting. <laughs> and we got it right. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, help us, Lord, to truly internalize this, this sweet message of forgiveness, Lord, and how you give it to us to be exercised on a daily basis, Lord, if not more, as often as we need to, not 70 times, but 70 times 7, how we need to extend this, Lord, and, and not to be living with a grudge and this anxiety and angst that's eating us up on the inside. Thank you, Lord, for the sweet oil of your Holy Spirit that lubricates things and allows us to operate without the friction and all the complications that come with it. Lord, let us glorify you by the lives we can lead by exercising what you're telling us to pray all the time. And we ask you this, Lord, all for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.